First off, let me say thank you for everyone joining our Industry Next event brought to you by Entitle. Uh, today, we just want to talk about the Chief Install-Based Officer role and how it's really a breakthrough industrial role for 2022. So hosting our event today is our, I'd like to introduce our CEO and co-founder of Entitle, Vivek Joshi. Uh, Vivek has roughly 30 years of industrial B2B OEM uh, experience, whether it be the sales or the aftermarket or the C-level uh, position. And Vivek's really passionate about the opportunities that are available for OEMs to really transform their install base. And that's where he kind of came up with the idea of the chief install base officer. So without further ado, Vivek, take over. So without further ado, I would kind of jump into some questions here. Uh, so, you know, what I'd like to understand, if you don't mind, uh, Sam and Bella, and I'm going to start with Bella first. You know, people come to these roles in different ways. So Bella, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how this role came about, uh, you know, why was it all created and structured? Because this is clearly a new role for Bentley Nevada as well. So maybe a little bit of background of the thinking what made this role happen, it'll be great. Yeah, sure. Um, so what can I say? What I can say is that it wasn't a, a well-planned role, but the Bentley was going through a restructuring on the whole organization. And the install-based efforts were something that were always, uh, present in, in the company strategy, but we always worked a lot in silos. So as I said, we have been in the industry for more than 60 years and we have a, a lot of scattered data all around and the team. So services uh, needs a lot this this information to perform the, their work. Um, sales needs that to increase uh, our penetration and to bear attend our customers, but we never got a, a good traction and progress because of, of this uh, the the concern we had on, on pulling all the data together. And that's how we uh, the leadership came up with this idea um, and, and invited me as, as I was working in strategic sales to, to come with the challenge. And I was glad to, to grab it because I know it's a very fruitful um, area that we should work with. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, who do you report to? Do you report to the sales or service? Do you work with both of them? Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I work with sales. So I, I'm under the sales organization, though I worked out a lot with the service team too. But the idea is, and, and they do have a central point of contact on their side too. Um, so they work a lot in collecting the data, improving our database. And I work on the part of uh, generating meaningful insights for sales to work with, generating campaigns and having a lot of interface on facing the teams on the growth that we have for the, the campaigns that we launch based on the information we have for our customers. Got it, got it. And one last question, when you think about what you just said at the end, right, you work with sales and service. Uh, who is the referee? Who is the tiebreaker if there's any, any contention between sales and service? As you look at this information, as you try to kind of bring some harmony, if you may, in terms of how you go after the customers, uh, is there a tiebreaker? Is there a referee in the process? Uh, because it theoretically should be you, but there must be somebody else who's a referee in the process. I'm just curious how that works. Mm, well, does, that, does that question um, make sense? Kind of. I'll, I'll answer and you yeah. tell me that. <laughs> If it yeah. makes sense. Um, well, our sales team is usually, and 
Well, sales and services are not the, the only teams that I work with. Um, I certainly work a lot with the, the product team, for example, to understand what are the, the meaningful campaigns. But definitely sales has the, the last call on what are the campaigns that make sense for us to go for, right? What are the ones that would bring more to the company? And services are the ones providing us, uh, supplying us with the data that will help us grow this campaign. But if I'd say a tiebreaker, it would be sales, a short answer. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Excellent. So, Sam, what, what's interesting is that, you know, when I thought about inviting you to come to this event, uh, what intrigued me was the article you wrote back, I think, in November. You published it on ThomasNet, and then it was published on LinkedIn as well, about install-based selling. You definitely took the sales perspective to it, even though you had a, a long career in service and support and so on and so forth. How does that jive with what Bella just said, which is sales as a tiebreaker? Is that consistent with why you wrote that article or what you see with the people you work with and the experiences you have? Well, that, that article totally focused on aftermarket selling. So, so it, was, it, was, it was easy because that's, that's what I've been doing and that's what I consult in. Uh, but it's, it, I, I think in, in the world that I came from with smaller companies, we didn't always have this contention because our service engineers were the ones who were on site. And, and the big things that always changed are either the contact names and the, the owner of the equipment, their phone number, email address, those kind of things. And more often than not, it was our service engineers on site who identify, oh, there's a new person there and, and fed that back. And, but we worked hard in both companies for our service engineers and their sales peers to really closely communicate because both groups were geographically centered and we pretty much used the same territories. So if I service engineer, you know, service engineer goes into a customer and finds that there's a new user of equipment, he'd report it back to our service marketing person, but he also would pick up the phone and send or send an email to the sales guy who might live two towns away and say, hey, do you know that down at IBM, the contact on this piece of equipment changed from Mary to somebody else? So we, yeah. we resolved those issues in real time, and, and it was primarily driven by the service folks. Great. So now one clarification, not maybe a clarification question, but an informational question for you, if you don't mind, Sam. Sure. You've seen, you've worked across a number of industries, both prior to starting a consulting company and also now as a consultant. Right. Have you seen many instances of a situation where there's a creation of this install-based officer role, just like Bella's been appointed to this role? Do you see that in many companies that you that you work with or they're, they're familiar with? I don't see that. What I, what I see is that, it, and I will preface that, that it's from my perspective, which is, looking into the service organization, but uh, the service organization and the service sellers specifically really care about getting their database current. And interestingly, I worked, I was smart enough one time to hire a very experienced field service manager from a large company. And he brought him in as a service marketing guy. And he set up a service database because we didn't have a, a universal one that really worked. And uh, what he suggested was that every year around the holiday season, Christmas time, we sent out little gifts, you know, calendars or pens or something. And 
if and then we said, you know, return if undeliverable. And so we, we could find out pretty frequently you know, who changed that we didn't know about. And when we looked at the data over a number of years, it seemed like over the course of a year, 10% of our contacts that we thought were still there weren't. I don't know if that number is consistent with you seen, but that, that's what we saw. You know, it's actually interesting. I'm going to pick up that thread later, but yes, we see that actually pretty significantly. Most of our customers, the last mile problem they have is not just identifying is my equipment there as an operational, but who do I call tends to be a pretty extraordinarily large problem. Right. Um, when I, I'm going to switch back to Bella for a second, if you don't mind. Uh, so Bella, you've been in place now for about two months. What has been the biggest challenge you've faced in this role? Um, well, the biggest challenge by far is um, matching the databases because we have we are such a big company with very different types of product uh, and and very um, long history. We many times don't have the, the data enough that we need to drive the the valuable campaigns, and even if we do, the data don't communicate with each other. So. If we want to check a certain profile of customer that has two or three type, different types of products, it's hard to put this, all this information together and generate automatically the, um, the campaign. So a big work is being on cleaning the data and actually working on providing meaningful pipeline for the sales team to work with. Interesting. Have you had to, uh, when, I, when you think about the challenges, think of the other side of the challenge, which is what has been the most uh, gratifying or what has been the most exciting development as part of this role for you? And what are the near uh, short, uh, quick quick wins, if you may, that uh, that yeah. have come about because of your, uh, with your new role? It, it, I guess it's exactly the, the other extreme is when we can, we are able to provide this insight for the, the team. And now that we, so two months now, and we are starting to see some traction on, on the pipeline, on, the, on the, the growth. So we certainly are, are, are being able to better attend our customer to improve the, their experience. I guess this is the, the biggest accomplishment that we are seeing um, because many people may, so sales managers could say, well, I know my customers, so there's no need for us to, to do all this job. But when we actually can, uh, target something that were not on the top of their minds before. That's something that's, that shows the value of the work, right? Perfect, perfect. It's says that there's an orchestration and the coordination stuff. Now, uh, I'm going to switch to, to Sam for a second. So, Sam, you were in support. You also run services. You also now focus on install-based selling. You know, the, the reason for us being so passionate about the point of view about the install base and the coordination and orchestration piece is that you know I'm old enough to tell people the stories that you know back in the back in the day when Hewlett Packard was big and ascendant, there was a famous story about the CEO going to visit a customer one day and they had five Tauruses parked in front of the customer. And back then, and I think there's a couple of HP people on this call, HP's uh, official uh, car was for for well, it was a Ford Taurus. And the CEO looked and said, "Who are these five people? Well, it's a service guy, it's a field tech, it's a sales guy, it's so and so." Is that a problem that's being addressed, Sam, in your mind? Or are we getting too transactional, too tactical on data and selling versus really giving a, uh, a single uh, uh, uniform customer experience uh, to, the, to the customer? 
Good question. So the reason I'm laughing is because I've heard that same exact story in the analytical and scientific instrument business, except it was about Thermo Fisher. Uh, and yeah, same five people, same story. So yeah, no, no. It, the, the individual product lines are individual and they nobody wants to give up control of the customer-facing functions. Uh, nobody wants to say, well, we're going to have a, uh, a comprehensive all-singing, all-dancing salesperson who can sell all these products into this company. But each of the business owners, the MDs, the presidents of divisions, they're all compensated purely on what their revenue and profitability is. And so to, to trust another organization or a, a separate one or a shared one to get the results and in, in, impacts their wallet, very hard to do, really hard. So fascinating. It's the old adage, right? Uh, what gets measured and gets paid for gets done. Right? right. And so in this case, it sounds like unless you start measuring and compensating people for the overall success of the account, for the overall success of the company, this whole notion of having an integrated point of view, an integrated approach to the customer through one, one channel won't work because of exactly what you just said. Right? Absolutely. It's absolutely the case, unequivocally. So are there, so, you know, obviously the, 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 point of, uh, the point of view that we brought to the party said, look, there needs to be a single accountable person or an organization called the installed base officer. Is that something, uh, Sam, I know you said you haven't seen it. Is that something you're seeing is going to become apparent in some of these companies or, or take a form of a chief customer role in some companies or, or some other role? What are you seeing? What are you, what are you sensing or hearing from the people you talk to every day? Well, if you think about the purpose of the business, it's to, it's to grow. One of the purposes is to grow their, and support their shareholders. So in the service side, if you think about it, there are four things that are required in order to sell. You need to have the right products, the right price, the right sales process and salespeople, and the right information about who, who your contact is, who your customer is. Each of those on their own are necessary, but the four together are the only combination that is sufficient. And I think that as customers are... are more sophisticated, and more importantly, more dependent on the aftermarket revenue to balance the declining product revenue and, mar and margins, they're going to focus more and more on service selling. And the service selling people are going to demand a, a accurate database that not only has phone numbers, emails, and that kind of thing, but that easily gives them the history of uh, what's going on over the past year? If they have, if your customer has a service contract, how many service calls and how much, how many, how much parts were consumed and those kind of things. So I think that the the focus on service revenue is going to drive that consolidation and responsibility for somebody to own the, the database. Got it. Um, Got it. So the old. Uh, what, sorry. Go ahead, Bella. Sorry. I. I it's because it's. <laughs> Very much in line with the strategy of the company and why we chose to uh, to have this role. And I saw that there is a question on the chat about that. 
why do we choose to do this investment instead of continue doing the aftermarket? And I think it's completely in line with what Sam said. We are switching more and more to be more than just a supplier, but a partner of our customers. And we have customers with many different plants over uh, globally. Um, and as when we start to understand them better holistically, we can provide, we can attend them better. Um, and that's that's really the, the basis of that. With that, I just want to say thank you very much to Sam and Bella. Really, really appreciate you taking the time, not just today on the call, but the preparation and kind of working our way through the last few weeks of making sure we're prepared for this. Uh, for the attendees who took time out of the lunch hour or the evening hour, and certainly people from India who call them, it's about 11.15 at night, so really appreciate it uh, that you stayed up so late taking the call. Thank you.